Welcome to Jewish Audio Theater with your host, Heshi Rizel. This story first appeared in Talks and Tales, entitled Changing Fortunes, a story about Muttel Holzhacker, the village woodchopper. He didn't make much money, but you could never tell, because he was Bissameach Bechelko, happy with what he had, and never complained. Muttel was well known to the people of his shtetl and the surrounding villages as the loudest bencher of Birkas Hamazon. After a late night dinner, the wolves appear to stop their howling to listen to Muttel benching. His meager wages barely fed his large family or for enough clothes to keep up with the large growing family. His house needed major repair and his oldest daughter Miriam was of marriageable age. His wife would often nag Muttel. Muttel, you need to make more money. Muttel just smiled, shrugged his shoulders, and pointed to the sky. We are in good hands, my dear wife, in good hands. One day, Muttel was out in the woods when he noticed the winds picking up. He looked up at the sky in the distance and saw the thickest, darkest clouds coming his way. A few minutes later, The lightning is crazy. The wind, I could could hardly stand. Oh, look, I can't believe it. A tree is on fire from a lightning strike. I have to go inside somewhere. It's dangerous to be outside now. But I'm in a forest. Where can I go? Oh, the wind. Wait a minute. The cave I saw last week. Matol ran to the cave, which is at the side of a small mountain. I, I, I never went in because I'm afraid it could be a dangerous animal inside. Suddenly, with the loud thunder and lightning, Matol got on his knees and quickly crawled into the cave. Oh, I hope that there is no wild animals in here. It is so dark, I can't move. But at the next lightning strike, he could navigate and sit against the wall of the narrow cave. His imagination got the better of him. Maybe there's a snake about to bite me. There's a spider up my hair. Oh, I, I hope this is over soon. At the next lightning strike, it lit up the cave. For that brief moment, he noticed a shining object on the wall facing him. And at the next lightning strike, and another one, and he just continued to look at that shining object protruding from the cave wall. Finally, the storm dissipated, allowing the sun to shine, especially into the cave. At this point, Muttel could scan his surroundings and felt comfortable crawling to the wall opposite him. Such a beautiful shining rock. Wait, let me chip and chop around with my axe. Muttel began to chop tenderly around the rock until it was loose enough for him to pry it off the wall. He then crawled back outside and stood up finally to stretch his painful legs and knees. A beautiful rock, even prettier when I put it up in the sky. I must bring it to Mr. Steinmetz. He's a good friend and an expert on jewelry and diamonds. After Marev, the evening prayer service at the shul, Mr. Steinmetz invited Muttel over to his home to take a look at his rock. 
At his home, Mr. Steinmetz asked, Okay, Mottl, show me the rock you found in the cave. I am sure it's a beautiful crystal or a... Oh, my. Mottl hand, hand the rock over carefully. Mr. Steinmetz immediately used his tools and magnifying glass to assess what he was looking at as if performing a delicate emergency surgery on a patient. His hands were now shaking. He looked up at Mottl. Mottl, do you realize? No, you probably have no idea. All I could tell you is that Hashem has given you a great blessing. I am no rebbe, but perhaps... You have been blessed by a Kodesh Bohu because you show so much a Kochas Hatov. Uh, especially with your badging. With this rock model, uh, once it's cut, shaped and polished, it, it, it will be a diamond that kings could only imagine. It is worth a lot of money, model. A lot of money. I always dreamed that my daughter Miriam could marry a Talmud Chochem. But who would want their son to marry the daughter of a poor woodchopper like me? But now, with Hashem's great kindness, I will be able to support his learning. Yes, model. Now, Be'ezra's Hashem, I could make a nice wedding for my daughter and buy better food for Shabbos. Very nice, yes, Rev Mottl. I, I heard nice things about your daughter, Miriam, Rev Mottl. But listen, no one is to know about this. Hide the diamond. Don't show this to anyone or even tell anyone about your diamond. You need to travel to a place where they have expert diamond quarters. Wait a second. My cousin Uri Odler in England is Baruch Hashem very connected to the best diamond cutters and diamond merchants. He will get you the best diamond cutter and maybe they could cut your diamond into many gemstones to get many people interested, even perhaps royalty. To go to England? But, but didn't the English kick out the hidden 400 years ago? Is it safe to go there? Listen, Reb Mottl, they allowed the Yidden to come back 30 years ago. My cousin writes that he is happy there. Is it safe for a Jew anywhere, Reb Mottl? We do what we need to do and daven to Hashem for Hatzlucha und Shulem. Mr. Steinmetz lent Mottl money to travel to England and gave him clear instructions to get to his cousin in London. Muttel bid his wife and family farewell. He met Mr. Steinmetz at the general store the next morning who connected Muttel with the right wagon driver. Thank you again, Mr. Steinmetz. The trip to the German port of Hamburg was a slow, torturous five-day journey. Muttel finally made it to the port where a ship set sail to England and to all over the world. As soon as Muttel left the wagon, he was suddenly immersed into the world of the seven seas, the sounds and smells of the ocean, 
world travelers, the hectic pace of people with dreams and ambitions to make money. Muttle was now online to pay for the fare for the ship to England. Where to? London, please. That will be 60 shillings. I was told the fare would be a guinea or 21 shillings. But no matter. Uh, let me find... Muttle checked his money bag and all of his pockets and to his horror discovered that he had spent most of his money on the wagon, transportation, lodging, and food. Where's it all the money go? He only found ten shillings. Uh, I only have ten shillings, but I, I, I could pay the rest. Never. We expect all the money up front. Muttle was desperate. He did not have money to get back home, so he needed to get on that ship and to sell the diamond. Is there anyone I could talk to? Uh, can I speak to the captain? You can talk to Captain Wright. He used to be a mean pirate in the Caribbean. He attacked ships and burned villages to the ground. He's also in a bad mood. He might just run you through with his sword. But you can go ask him anyway. Otherwise, the fare is 60 shillings. And don't be trying to sneak on board. I'll be watching you. Next online? Everyone at the port was busy walking around and knew where they needed to go. Muttle was just walking around, lost in thought. What should I do? Muttle was never in such a challenging situation. He was never assertive in arguments or when a customer cheated him. He was shy and never acted brazenly to demand anything from anyone, especially from pirates. But he decided he had no choice. I need to get on that ship. Everything depends on this. As he got closer to the captain, he realized he was very big. He had long gray hair, but his beard was still dark. Hello, Captain Reitzer. The captain turned around and stared at Muttle. Aye, what does this lame scallywag want from me? I, I, I need a favor, because I only have ten shillings left, and, and I need to get to London. Huh? You're the third person to ask me that question. Uh, the answer is no. I don't do favors. You have no idea who I even am. Why, I sailed the Caribbean with the Honorable Henry Morgan. We raided many a Spanish ships and villages. I... many a great adventure. That's why I charge three guineas to sail a me ship. Because it's an honor to sail with Captain Wright. But, but, but you don't understand. I, I really will have the money to pay you back. Ah, that's what they all say. You look like an honest Jew, but I don't do charity. The answer is no. And if I find you sneaking on me ship, I'll run you through with me sword. Without thinking, Muttle pulled the rock out of his personal bag and showed it to the captain. And at that very same moment, Muttle suddenly heard Mr. Steinmetz's stern warning in his head. 
or don't show or talk to people about this diamond. And then Muttle added in his thought, especially if he was a pirate. But it was too late. Blimey. I've never laid eyes on a rough diamond so fine. I can't even fathom its weight. Can I take a closer look? Don't worry, I'm an honorable captain of a ship registered with his majesty. Muttle handed the diamond over to the captain. Verily, I'll let you sail in the finest quarters of me ship. But it'll cost you a hundred and twenty shillings. And mind you, I'll be wanting to take a gander at that precious diamond from time to time. Muttle felt very faint. He wants to hold my diamond from time to time on his ship. Should I run away from this pirate now as fast as I can and hope to find another ship? Or do I take my chance and travel with him? If, if it's bad weather, I could be stuck here for weeks with no money. The oil and what should I do? Another tough decision for Muttle to make. Yes, Mr. Captain, sir. I, I, I'll be honored to travel with you, but please, the rock is only between us. I don't want anyone else to know. I, of course, truth be told, I'm a man of me word. Loose lips sink ships, you know. <laughs> well then, me hearty, bring your belongings aboard, and I'll have one of me crew show you to your cabin. The ship set sail to England. Muttle was sitting in his cabin, watching the diamond sparkle as he held it up to the light coming through the porthole. The sea seemed very quiet. There was a knock on the door. Hello, I deliver food. Muttle quickly put the diamond away and opened the door. Please come in. An oriental man came in holding a tray. Here, both fruit, egg, trapping, that you requested will be at sea for a few days. Would you like to try the dry meat? Oh, no, 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 thank you. That's fine, thank you. What's this jug? Ale, beer, beer. We call it ale, sir. Well, is there any water on, on the ship? Ha, ha, ha. No, sir. No water on voyages. Green stuff grow in water. No good to drink, so we don't serve. Only ale, sir. The crewman placed the jug on the table. And what is this square paper for? Ah, oh, it is chiefer. Chiefer? This square paper? Ancient China, we use this. Here you call it Soviet. Not too many have this. Only on Captain White's ship we have. Then the servant showed how the square folded paper was used to wipe your hands and mouth. Muttle smiled and thought, Very clever. Instead of using sleeves on the tablecloth, you wipe your mouth with a paper, paper, a piece of paper. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Ah, so 
My name is Hangli. Goodbye. Muttle took out a loaf of bread he purchased in Hamburg and made a loud hamotzi. Then he took out the diamond and looked at it while eating his meal. After the meal, Muttle benched, but this time with a more mellow tone, as he stared at the diamond sparkling in the light. He was thinking of all the things he could do because of the diamond to improve his family's life. The crewman came later, removed the tablecloth, and shook the tablecloth through the porthole where all the leftovers—peels, breadcrumbs, and the serviette—fell into the sea. Later that day, Muttle was walking on the deck. The pirate approached. "Hey, Mister Holtzacker, allow me another." Look, see at your sparkling prize possession. Muttle reluctantly handed diamond again to the captain, but this was happening from time to time, and Muttle was sort of getting used to it. Look, poor Hashem, he hasn't taken the diamond and thrown me overboard into the ocean. The captain put the diamond up to the sky and enjoyed looking at the sparkles. Aye. I once laid eyes on the plundered diamond of the Sultan himself. Your diamond, Mister Holtzacker, could shine like that one if you get it cut right. Many thanks, Mister Holtzacker. Here you go. You can take it back. May the seas be calm and the winds fair. This routine continued from day to day. Muttle ate his fruit, bread, and eggs while staring at the diamond. Hangley removed the tablecloth to shake all the leftovers, peels, and crumbs into the sea. And ever so often, Muttle handed the diamond to the captain for a quick gander and a look see. The next afternoon, the announcement was made that arrival to London would be next day. Muttle was very excited. He took out his bread and ate it with the delivered fruit, dry beans, and eggs. He then took out the diamond and placed it on the table. Oh, I think it is time to celebrate with the wine I bought from home—a special occasion. Baruch Hashem. It was now time to bench, but this time it was very different, because Muttle was smiling and staring at the diamond and thought. You will bring so much happiness to the family. Thank you, Diamond. And he gave it a kiss. He got a little too dizzy from the wine. He wiped his mouth and fingers with a serviette, and threw it on the table, covering the diamond. And he fell into a deep sleep. The cabin help knocked and entered. Hangley saw that Muttle was sleeping. Oh, I won't wake him! I am sure he finished his meal. Hangley lifted the four corners of the tablecloth, walked over to the porthole, and opened it. Suddenly, a gentle, warm breeze entered the cabin. At that moment, Muttle woke up from his deep slumber. As soon as Muttle saw that Hangley was holding the tablecloth by the porthole, ready to be shaken, he yelled. Wait! Don't! Don't! Don't wait! But it was too late. Hangley was startled as he shook everything into the sea—the peels, seeds, crumbs, and the diamond that was hidden under the serviette. No! 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 Oh, forgive me. You finished meal. Oh, sleeping? 
I, I hope I... Everything is good, Hangley. Everything. I had a bad dream. A very bad dream. Uh, thank you, thank you. Hangley left the cabin. Muttle sat back down on his chair. He hung his head low between his hands. The diamond is gone. It's my fault, Hashem. I am very sorry. I now realize... I, 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 all I kept on doing was, was thanking the diamond, not Hashem, but a big mistake. A big mistake. Hashem, please forgive me. With that, Matl cried and somehow was able to bench as loud as he could, having in mind that everything comes from Hashem. After he finished benching, I feel faint, seasick. I have to go out for some fresh air and, and look out at the horizon. Maybe just for a few minutes. But, but I can't leave the cabin. I can't meet up with the captain until we come to port. If he finds out that I don't have the diamond, I don't even want to think. But Muttle felt really sick and decided he need to go out on deck for some fresh air. Staring at the horizon steadied Muttle's nerves, but then suddenly he saw Captain Wright heading towards him. He's going to ask to see the diamond. What should I say? Oh, I wish I was back at home sharpening my tools. Life then was so much simpler. Ahoy, Holt Hacker. We'll be making port soon, guarding the elements willing by tomorrow. An important matter is weighing heavy on me mind, and I need to conference with you. You best make your way to me cabin at midnight tonight to discuss this matter. No excuses or delays, Sabby. Midnight? I'm usually asleep. Rest assured, it ain't easy for me neither. I, back on Morgan ship, lights are out at eight, eight bells sharp. There be no one up at that ungodly hour to spy on us. But, 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 I am not sure. Can I get back to you? I'll be expecting you at midnight, Holzhacker. It was midnight. The sea and the sky were silent, smooth, and black except for the moon and its starlight companions. Everything was quiet, with only the occasional sound of the water lapping against the side of the boat. What does he want from me at midnight, eh? so that no one could see us meeting? I, I don't like this. Maybe he decided to take the diamond to get rid of me with no one watching. He, he will sure be angry when I tell him I don't have the diamond. Muttle said his last parak of Tehillim, put his trust in Hashem, and made his way to the captain's cabin. Hi, Holtzacker. Come in, come in. I'd be much obliged if you join me midnight meal of eggs, a bit of cheese and ale. Sorry, not this late. I have been worried since you asked for this meeting. All right, then. Uh, here is my story. Many moons have passed 
Since I was a privateer for the King of England, I had me hands in a letter of mark that gave me the right to attack Spanish ships. In one of the battles, I acquired a cargo of gold ores, which I reckon is belonging to me. But the King's cart has a habit of seizing most of the prize, giving it to the King. That ain't fair, I tell you. So I need you to sign this document, declaring you as the true owner, savvy? Well, no, I really don't understand. You need to listen up what I'm saying. The king's scallywags can't be taking it away from you. If it rightly belongs to you, the loot, it, it will belong to you when you sign these documents. You take it off the ship. You sell the ores to someone who'll be able to process it into pure gold. And then, a few weeks later, I'll be coming to you for the money. But don't you worry. I'll be giving you a fair share of the money as payment for your troubles. Well, you know, I only have ten shillings. Deal, my good man. Sign here. The captain suddenly noticed that Muttle was no longer avoiding direct contact as Muttle locked eyes with the captain. Captain Wright, oh, I am not a very assertive person, but I must speak up. Speak? There are other passengers on board. Why pick me? Well, because I know I could trust you. I am a simple person not knowing too much about the world. But pardon me for saying this. The English never trusted Jews. True. England spread lies about us being cheaters and even murderers. We were kicked out of England for 400 years. We have only been allowed to return for the last 30 years. You can't be trusting me. It's, 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 it must be a different reason. Why are you interested in picking only me? Are you asking me to do something dangerous? No, no, no. Look, you see, a Jew once be me savior. T'was a good while back in Jamaica when I went against the pirate code and filched the prize share of me fellow crew. I was a thief. I was caught. The consequences being marooned on some forsaken island. Morgan's Jewish advisor... Moses Cohen Henriquez knew me loyalty true, so he had me return the theft and gave me a second chance. He dealt with the crew justly and true-hearted. A Jewish pirate? I've never heard of such a thing. I you see, his driving force in this life be to wreak vengeance upon those blasted Spaniards for the suffering they inflicted upon his kin and clan during the Inquisition and expulsion from Spain. His family escaped to Amsterdam, where Moses became a Dutch sailor. Together with the Dutch Admiral Hein, he pulled off the grandest of heists, assaulting a Spanish treasure fleet worth a fortune of almost... Twelve million Dutch guilders. Aye, what a treasure. One Jew against the entire Spanish Empire. What courage, 
what an amazing person. Was he also an observant Jew? I verily, Holtzhaka, you probably have no idea where Brazil is, but your kinsmen set up a village there for Jews who are able to escape Spain and live there in safety. He set up a house of worship and even brought in scholars to teach the children. Uh, later, when the Portuguese retook Brazil, Moses Henriquez was a wanted man, and uh, so were the Jewish community. So he led them to a new, new place, Jamaica. Once there, he set up a safe haven for the Jews. He joined Sir Henry Morgan into pirating, continuing his vengeance raiding Spanish ships. What a remarkable story. I wish one day I could even meet this person. Now I, I understand a little bit better. A Jew saved your life. Would made a, obviously a very good pre impression on you. And uh, so I can't understand why you trust me. So you see, Holtzhaka, I judge on me people based upon my own experiences and not what people say to be true. I trust you. Will you do me this favor to sign me documents? Yes, of course. I'll sign. And here's your ten shillings, Captain Wright. Baruch Hashem, Captain Wright's ship reached the port of London early the next morning. And the king's men were already prepared to board the ship. Do you have anything to report, Captain Wright? Oh, hello, or greetings. Spare me, Wright. Well? No. And you could look on the ship's cargo below. We will. We always do. Men, go below and check the cargo. An hour later, they returned with a chest. Can you explain this chest of gold ores, Captain Wright? Yes, it belongs to one of me passengers, a model holds hacker. That would be me. All right. Now you know if you're lying, you could spend many years in the brig. Muttle locked eyes with the Admiral. These are my oars. I paid for them. And if you have a Bible, I'm ready to swear that these are my gold oars. The Admiral lifted his eyebrows, stared back at Muttle. All right then, you may disembark. As Muttle was about to disembark the ship, the captain whispered, Remember, I'll be visiting your place of address written on this here paper you gave me. Give it two weeks' time. The gold R's should sell quickly. I trust you'll do well, Savvy. But if you run out on me by heisting me treasure, I'll find you you'll and run, run you through with me sword. <laughs> you developed a bit of a spine, Hotacker. I like that. He smiled, shook hands, and then Muttle made his way off the ship. 
Muttel was able to make his way to the home of Uri Adler with the help of kind Jews he met at the port. He explained his entire adventure to Mr. Adler, who was very helpful in getting buyers for the gold ore. It was an amazing amount of money, perhaps even more than what the diamond could have gotten. It was now a matter of time when Captain Wright would come for it. But after three weeks' time, Captain Wright did not show up. What could have happened to him? Where do you think I could go to find out where he might be? You could check the waterfront uh, where the ships are docked, but it's not safe to go there now, Red Muttle. Muttle decided to go to the waterfront. He needed to see what happened to Captain Wright. He entered a very loud and busy place. The air was thick with tobacco smoke. Some were smoking pipes and others were smoking cigars, sitting around tables, drinking ale and rum. Some were laughing at amazing tales of adventure, while at other tables they were playing cards. Hey, will you sit with us for a game of Maria's? Muttle stared at the gentle eyes of a man holding onto the cards. Oh, no, no, thank you. Ah, uh, do you know where I could find Captain Wright? The man began to laugh. <laughs> hey, hey, everyone, he wants to know the whereabouts of Captain Wright. Suddenly, the gentle eyes became sinister as he stared at Muddle, closing his left eye, he asked. And what, pray tell me, be the business of a duel with the captain? Are you a friend or foe of Captain Wright? The man suddenly stood up as well as the others at the table. Well? Muddle was frightened and could not think. He knew he was in danger. What should I say? Suddenly, the pirate and his friends at the table became the one with fear in their eyes. As they quickly sat back down and continued to play, as if nothing ever happened, Muttle became aware of a presence standing slightly to his left. He shifted his gaze and recognized Hang Lee, who had his hand wrapped around the handle of a large curved blade still sheathed in its scabbard. With his stare, he dared anyone to challenge him. No one did. He motioned for Muttle to follow him. They walked outside. You know, come here. Leave. Where is Captain Wright? Last week, Captain Wright, he got drunk during a card game. They called each other names. They go outside, the captain surrounded by people got stabbed and killed and I was not there to protect him I'm sorry he was a good friend of yours yes he was like father to me who are you why were they afraid of you I thought you were just a cleaning help on the you go now did, did he have family no one. Hangley smiled. You go now. But but what about you? You go now. Hangley turned around to walk away. 
But you saved my life. Baruch Hashem, Motel made it back to his home. Now a very wealthy man. Mr. Steinmetz went over to Muttel's home to welcome him back. He was very happy for Muttel, and he could also tell that Muttel was a very different person. I told you a story, but I, I, I can't understand it, Mr. Steinmetz. First Hashem gives me a diamond and then takes it away. That part I understand. I was actually benching the diamond and not even to Hashem anymore. It was horrible. But what did I do to deserve the golden ores? Mr. Steinmetz, the diamond dealer, was also scholarly and well-learned, replied, I don't know the ways of Hashem, Reb Mottl. No one can really know. What did you do as soon as you realized you lost the diamond? Well, I did not complain or make any accusations. Actually, I, it was my fault. I confessed. I admitted to Hashem it was my, my avero, my sin. I benched out loud as best I could, thanking Hashem for everything. And, and, HaKadosh Baruch even sent me a malach who saved my life. Okay, Reb Mottl, you gave yourself the answer. You... Let the diamond get to your head. And then you realized. And then you did the shuva. You cried to God to ask for forgiveness. I uh, understand, uh, Rev Model, that uh, you give a large donation to the Klaus of the Chacham Tzvi in Altoona. And I also heard that you give a large donation to set up an organization to help Jews who are running away from different countries. Very nice, Rev Mottl. I am following the ways of a Jewish pirate. Uh, what? A, a long story, Mr. Steinitz. Uh, for another time. You know, my son is learning in the class of the Chacham Tzvi in Altoona. He's becoming a great Amal Chochum. I uh, wanted a wife for my son whose family could support him. And uh, I recall... Yes, Mr. Steinmetz, many moons ago I mentioned my dream was to support a son-in-law who could learn. Many moons, Rev Mottl? That will have to wait with the Jewish pirate story. Uh, let's make a lechaim. Hangley, please bring us some ale. Hey, me hearties. Thanks for tuning in to Jewish Audio Theater with me friend, Heshir Rizel. Have yourselves and your families a Chag Kosher Vesameach.